<laughs> like, um, when do we get the chicks? How, how does this work? Uh, we have to, like, only eat at Burger World for 30 days. Like that Sherlock dude. <laughs> cool. <laughs> how come we didn't think of this before? We're gonna get rich and famous just by eating. And score! <laughs> hey, buddy, check it out. I already ate, like, four burgers, three fries, and, um, six milkshakes. Cool. <laughs> Ladies, beware. <laughs> I don't feel so good. Yeah? Good. More chicks for me. <laughs> See you in a month, baby. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome. To the Nightfly Podcast. July? July edition? Damn it, I'm always confused on the dates. No, I think it's June 30th edition. We're almost there. Which means bills are due again, and no one has anybody to pay it. <laughs> yeah! Yeah, coming at you. The summer of love. The opposite is what I meant to say. Really, the summer of uh, absolute disaster. But... Here we are anyway, forging through with our podcasts, and dressed in our best and ready to go down with the ship, as uh, I believe it was Aster who said in the uh, Titanic movie. Am I right? Was it Aster? Hey, Aster! That's Kathy Bates saying that. The guy who, you know, Aster plays is named Aster. Or no, maybe it's Guggenheim. <laughs> I can't remember. It's hilarious. You know, all the time that all these New York people, I guess, went down to this ship. I, I don't know. I'm sure it's accurate. Why would they make that up? We are dressed in our best and ready to go down as scheduled. <laughs> Who's going to say that? Why does he have to go down with the ship? What is his obligation? You have all that money. Why would you want to do that? Anyway, let's get going. Let's uh, cool this down for a little bit and get going with the show. Let's just begin. Let's just begin, shall we? All right. Well, here we are, June thirtieth, twenty twenty. Every time I say twenty twenty, I just it's kind of have to laugh because um, I don't know. Years from now, it'll be really funny. <laughs> oh, twenty twenty. You tell your your kids or your grandkids twenty twenty. Let me tell you something about that year. That year was a bucket of shit. Twenty twenty goes down with uh, well, I don't know what other years do you say? Well, two thousand and one, but yeah, say nine eleven. Even though, you know, it took the whole year. But I don't think there's any other year in particular that you would say in history. I mean, 1942. Maybe. We don't know. Uh, But, I mean, 2020 is the entire year, you know. 2020. Yeah, I think that, that, that would be the one people would just say, what the fuck happened? (laughs) I mean, it's funny and not funny at the same time. I'll tell you something. You know how I always say I'm contemplating suicide and stuff like that because I'm depressed and everything? Well, I'm not depressed, 
But now I'm just compl- contemplating suicide because I just don't want to live in this world anymore. There's so much nonsense going on between the, you know, uh, the, the, the protests and the, you know, what's going on with the police and just uh, the, the way they're, they're taking off shows and knocking down statues. I, that's I can't take it anymore. And yet I must survive. So at some point, somehow, some way, I can do something about it and shove it in everybody's face that you all suck, let alone the fact that, you know, for four years, who's been telling you? Nobody's been a Donald Trump hater here. No, I'm just saying for four years, I said, listen, folks, you want to do something about it? You got four years to decide to 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 scour the planet for someone to take over Donald Trump's position. Four years you had, but you you chose to to do uh, investigations which led nowhere, and a lot of all nonsense. Uh, whether he cheats on his wife or not, who the fuck gives a shit? All this kind of stuff that doesn't matter when you should have been scouring the planet, yes, the globe, to find somebody who might have been born in the U.S. That uh, would need to come back and fulfill his duty as a U.S. citizen. That's what you needed to do. And now we're left with Joe Biden and Donald Trump probably once again going to win by a landslide. Oh, boy. And I don't know. I always thought the country could handle and was good for a four-year experiment from an outsider. We know how that worked out. But an eight-year experiment could actually doom the country yeah so you had four years and you blew it i mean how many times do i have to tell sarah silverman listen you can you can make fun of them all you want you can do all this stuff but you're wasting time go find somebody to run get out franken back from this horrible woman that that, that, that could tell john stewart to go out and run and somebody tell michelle obama i'm just saying they're not the best choices but they could give him a run for his money. So don't come complaining again when for some reason you just say, ah, we'll let Biden do it. Ah, we don't have patience. Ah, the pandemic just was like, ah, I'll just tell it. Ah, just let him do it. Just let him do it. I mean, that's pretty much what you're saying. Eh, ah, we'll just let Biden do it. Everything he's saying is just stupid. I don't hate him either. I just, there's just nobody I'd like to vote for. And clearly we need a third or fourth party i mean we got to change this two-party thing ain't working like why can't we have you know a a good solid independent or whatever party you know the my rent's too high party (laughs) who's that guy i don't know it should be like the oscars you have like 10 candidates um my friend was telling me this guy on the joe rogan show said something very interesting he said why don't you have a a two-party system not a two-party system but a another party that's a two-tier system where you take, like, Andrew Yang, just as an example, and he runs with one of the guys, one of the Navy SEALs that took out Osama bin Laden. This is not my theory. This is a guy. I don't know his name. Some Jewish guy on the Joe Rogan show. And you run them together. And the first four years, one of them is president and the other is vice president. And then in the next four years, they switch. And they have to agree to disagree on everything. They must agree on everything. And if there really is an undecided thing, the president of that term gets to decide. 
I have no problem. I like anybody that has an idea to fix what the hell's been going on. Now, we've been complaining about our country since before it began. You know, any of the history books will tell you there's arguments, there's unrest, there's protest, there's famine and war and disease and all this stuff. Nothing is new. Nothing is new. I mean, it's new to have to stay home, but nothing is technically new. So we will survive. It's obvious. We've gotten through everything. This is this is new, but in the history of things, it won't technically be new. Maybe it's new with the way we handled it. But, you know, there'll be something newer that no one's ever experienced soon. At some point, maybe 20 or 30 years from now, that'll uh, blow everybody's minds. Oh, no, this is unprecedented. Because that's just the way shit works. Anyway, thank you. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you very much. We'll be right back. We'll make your front end tight. We'll make your motor run right. Line your wheels precisely. But to put it very nicely, hurry on down the great fair. If your shocks are gone, we'll put a new set in. And when you hear the price, you're sure to grin. A guarantee is the best by far. It's as good for as long as you own your car. Buy it once and then forget it. We know you won't regret it. Hurry on down the great fair. For a guarantee, peace of mind. Drive on in anytime. The Great Bear. Great parts, great service, great bear. So lots to talk about today. And uh, yeah, what, what, what was that? I don't know. It was a commercial from the 70s that I, uh, that I used to remember. I sing it almost every day. I don't know why. I can't explain it. I can't explain why shit goes through my head for the, the end, till the end of time. I can't explain shit that goes on. In Dave Juskow's head. I mean, I'm trying to explain it. Hence, the podcast. Thank you so much, everybody. I hope you enjoyed last week's podcast. Uh, I know it was a little break from what we usually do. Now, we have two weeks of stuff to report of two weeks of not doing anything. It's beautiful. But, uh, yes, we uh, actually, oh, actually, I have a lot to report. But uh, I that girl was hilarious. Uh, she was very nice. And that Chinese accent we'll probably talk about for the rest of our time. I don't know what that was. My sister had said, if you listen to last week's podcast, my guest uh, Heather Turner uh, was trying to do a, an Asian accent, and it was god-awful. My sister said, well, maybe that's the way the Asian people talk in the South. And then we were like, um, no. No, they don't. And Because, listen, when Dory chimes in and says to somebody, what the fuck was that? <laughs> then you know somebody's done something awfully wrong. But awfully hilarious and quite frankly podcast gold gold jerry gold folks i have so much to say so much to say i just never have it in a cohesive order because i spend my time preparing the podcast with the clips i'm setting up and everything so it takes me like a day to do that when i should be putting all my thoughts in a cohesive structure but i don't I want to get to so many things. So how much time do you have? Because uh, I hope you're planning a big drive for the 4th of July because sit back and relax and enjoy this four-hour podcast. Who am I, Joe Rogan? <laughs> How are you? So my sister and uh, brother-in-law went to Disney World uh, two weeks ago. Yes. No, you heard me right. They went to Florida. Florida. The worst thing you can say to somebody, if it was now, 
it would be like saying New York City three months ago, where no one wanted to know if you were from New York, if you had New York license plates, you go somewhere else, people are like, whoa, 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 what's going on? Fortunately, I got jersey plates, so you know, it doesn't matter. But um, yeah, New Florida, the worst place you could say, don't even talk about it. It's like Fight Club. You never can discuss it. It's horrible. Nobody wants to know about it. Florida, Texas, Arizona, all the places they were not practicing social distancing and everything are now spiking out of control. Duh. But these are stupid places with stupid people. You know, they're just dumb. Oh, sure, there's lots of good people who live there and very intelligent people, but clearly it's mostly real dumb people, I guess. Of course, on the flip side of that, they're doing what their governments are telling them to do, so it's not anybody's fault, really. Anyway, my sister and brother-in-law, they go down there for a wedding. And uh, this is after we did the podcast. And then they go to Universal Studios because it's open. Why shouldn't they? It's open. They're like, well, we're in Orlando. Why not? It's open. My sister said, oh, it was really clean. There was nobody there. There's hand sanitizer and everything. You got to wear a mask to go on the ride. It all makes sense, technically, not to anybody that lives anywhere else. But if you're in Florida and you're like, well, they are open. I can't imagine the government would lead us astray. They come back to town and it is if if they had just uh, come back from Nazi Germany exterminating a bunch of Jews and nobody wanted to have anything to do with them. Horrible example, but uh, I mean, it's bad. Can you blame them? The people who are shunning the Caspers. They, so unfortunately... My nephew, Billy, who's graduating this year, you know, again, we feel so horrible for him. He's a senior in high school. Feel bad for all the seniors in high school or college that aren't having the good experience they deserve, the lifetime experience of, you know, graduation or your senior year, whether you're even a nerd or whatever you are, especially if you're the the queen or the king of high school or college. I mean, you want to have that senior experience and they're missing out and it's a major bummer. And on Tuesday, um, my sister said, oh, we have a graduation party to go to. I'm like, you know, I should probably tell people you just came back from Florida. She's like, maybe I shouldn't tell anybody. I'm like, maybe. But if they find out, you know, like listening to my podcast, uh, <laughs> you've been there, you'll be the most hated people on the planet. So they told them. And then my nephew was just shunned. Not only... I think he might have gone, but the kids of the parents were so nasty to him. Get out of here. You've got cooties. You suck. Get out of here. You're not allowed in the pool. You're not allowed anywhere. Go fuck yourself. Oh, they really gave it to him. They really let him have it, and he wasn't allowed to play in any of the reindeer games, and it's really sad. Can you blame people? No. Can you blame the way they handled it? Absolutely, but Teenage kids will do what teenage kids will do, obviously getting it from their parents, but, you know, bad planning on my sister's part, not thinking. Billy didn't go with them to Orlando. He's just getting the repercussions of somebody that lives in the same house of people who just came back from Florida. And my sister will tell you a hundred times, she's trying to tell me, like, 
No, see, what they don't understand is only certain parts of Florida. I'm like, Beth, Florida. It's Florida. You say the word Florida, it's over. Nobody cares about certain parts. Nobody cares. Nobody's paying attention except the words, you went to Florida. You were on a plane. You did all this. Now, they're going down for the right reasons for a wedding, but is that even the right reason? How the hell is this guy having a wedding? Well, can you blame him? Everything's fine in Florida. It's not that guy's fault. And they're like, well, maybe it's okay to fly. Now the planes are running. It's not illegal to go to Florida. Unfortunately, you got to face the repercussions when you come back. And you just kind of ruined the the rest of your son's senior possible maybe ending good time that there is to be in 2020. Because now nobody wants to have him. And then the worst part happened on Wednesday. This is horrible. He goes down to Long Branch with a bunch of people. You know where I want to move. Uh, with a bunch of friends to see the sunrise. And he's got one friend that doesn't care that his parents went to Florida. And uh, they, so he drives down with his friend. On the way back, I guess his friend was taking a bunch of other people and they refused to be in the car with Billy and they sent him home. They said, "You, you we just go, just go away. Nobody wants to see you. And he had to take a train home all by himself. You know, he had to take an Uber to the train And then my brother-in-law picked him up at Rawway. I think he's handled stuff really well. You know, he's upset, but he seems to calm down. There's a kid I've been making fun of for years, but he's a really good kid. We talk a lot more now. He's a different kid now. You know, he's, he's a fun kid. I like him a lot. I love him. He's really turned into a great guy. He's a nice boy. And, uh, he doesn't deserve this, of course, but. It's unfortunately expected. What are you supposed to do? People are on edge. Did the kids handle it the wrong way? Of course they did, but who cares? I mean, that's the way it happens. You can't really blame them for not wanting to be in the car with somebody whose parents just came back from Florida. But it doesn't end there. We went to go see our mother on Friday, which is probably the worst thing Beth could have done, But I and me too. I said, maybe you shouldn't go. And then she's like, well, I'll sit apart. (sighs) My mother doesn't care. And I said, I don't care. I'll see Beth. I'll see Matt. I I don't, I I guess I don't care either. I don't think I'm going to catch it from them. I guess maybe I'm being naive. It just didn't bother me in the least. I wasn't afraid. I'm not afraid of the virus anymore. Like I was in April. I was afraid to go outdoors. Afraid it was all going to be sprayed on me. But I guess I'm not afraid of it. And... So we, you know, had lunch. I mean, my sister sat apart. There was no hugging or anything. And then uh, I was going to go to Cousin Frankie's, and I guess I had told Cousin Frankie that my sister went to Florida, and I was on my way to go visit him because I didn't feel like going home yet. It was only like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I hate going into the city on a Friday night at 5 o'clock. Meanwhile, it couldn't have been easier because it's just not a normal year. So I got in like 45 minutes. It was sick. Um, but I was on my way. I had the ways in. I'm leaving. And he goes, wait, you didn't see your sister today, did you? And I'm like, uh, uh-oh. Yes, I did. I'm sorry. I didn't even think about that. I guess I can't come over. Cousin Frankie has been majorly not seeing people for a reason. He was finally going to see me. He knew I'd been tested. And then... I forgot I was with my sister. I could have ruined his four months of quarantining by one fell swoop. 
because I was hanging out with people who just came back from Florida who remember when they came back on Monday, that was the exact day the governor said people who come back from Florida have to quarantine for 14 days, but it didn't start till Thursday. So legally, they didn't do anything wrong. Uh, now, since then, my sister and brother-in-law have been tested. So, well, I guess we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll all be doomed. My guess is they don't have it. Um, I guess we'll know shortly. Um, I don't know how fast it takes to get symptoms. I guess that's the thing. I guess I should get tested again, too. I had forgotten. Look at the repercussions they got because they went to Florida because they thought they thought the virus was over. Because that's what our president has pretty much been telling us. Well, can't really blame any. Well, you can. You can blame my sister, I guess. For not thinking of the repercussions of the other people she's hurt, like myself and her son. But, again, you know, you're just like, we want to have a good time. We've been quarantined for three months. We want to go places. We, you know, want to do normal stuff. Well, we all do. And speaking of which, well, I've got several stories of normal things I've done in the past, well, normal and abnormal at the same time. It really was so much to get through today. It's going to be just really fantastic. Um, yeah, let's start with that, and then we'll go to the other stuff we got to talk about. So, um, all right. I'll start with last Tuesday, a week ago, Alga, our friend Alga, had a show outdoors in her I guess some guy she's either friends with or been seeing. I don't know. Uh, He's got a very nice place in the West Village. And she put together a comedy show for 10 people outside. Or it was supposed to be outside. When I got there, it turned out the neighbors, the annoying neighbors in New York City, which is everybody, complained. And we had to move it inside, which was not supposed to be the plan. I mean, we definitely were social distancing in a sense. We we weren't when everybody came in and we said hello. So it's already over there. I mean, it was a pretty big apartment, but the comics were all the way, really like 10 feet away from the audience. But I was mingling with the audience. The other comics were sitting outside, but I couldn't help it. I was just like, this is great. We're not wearing masks. We're just having a couple of drinks. There's 10 people or maybe, yeah but maybe 12 people, including myself and Olga. And it was a real fun night, man. It was nice. There were two girls there that had had the disease. They had the antibodies. Not that it matters. We're all doomed anyway. It's very difficult at this point to social distance. Everybody's going out. Everybody's going to restaurants outdoors. And we were supposed to be outdoors, but we were not. We were supposed to be, but we were not. Uh, but it was a great time, and it was fun to do stand-up again. I did my all-COVID material because I was just like, you know, what am I supposed to What am I uh, just bringing back the classics? Well, who who wants to hear any of the old material? You, you know, you got, should I talk about the Me Too movement again? Are we still doing that? No. Nobody wants to hear about that. You just want to hear the COVID stuff. You know, how I've been poisoning myself, uh, how, uh, you know, I figured out that Moses is a dick. Because, uh, you know, I'm thinking of the 10 plagues all the time. All that kind of nonsense. It was pretty funny. I did an okay job. I was the host. Uh, but that was kind of fun. And that was like two Tuesdays ago. Last 
this past Wednesday, it would be a week ago, I'm taping today on Saturday, but as you know, it comes out on Tuesday. So last Wednesday, I went down to the bar that I usually go to by the Comedy Cellar, right? So I'm taking the city bike. Now, first of all, you know, I've been taking that motor scooter everywhere. There's like 10 of them on my block now. But of course, when I needed it on Wednesday at six o'clock, there was not one to be found in the entire neighborhood. And that was my plan. So I wouldn't get sweated up. I want to take, is there an electric city bike? No. So I had to take the regular city bike down to the West Village from my Upper East Side apartment. Down Second Avenue, there is a bike path. Now, the way de Blasio, I ain't saying it like that. I mean, it's not that bad, but it was as a biker and an automobile owner, I am always conflicted with all this stuff. But it's terrific having a bike lane. But what they've done, and maybe I told you this before, is they've taken the bike lane so the parking spots are not alongside the curb anymore on the avenues. They're like one door length over so there is a bike lane. So it's a real difficult experience parking your car when you don't have the curb to tell you you're you're done you know it's like even more impossible so that's the story so now in new york city the restaurants have all de blasio has given pretty much anyone that's asked a permit to set up shop on the street tables and chairs on the street, on the actual street, not the sidewalks, on the street. You can take up a parking space and put it on the street. There is a restaurant across the street from my building. I'm watching people dine there every day, and I'm looking forward to watching the motorcycle rev up while somebody's eating their chicken dinner. I mean, it's going to be that's parked right next door to the person sitting there having a nice glass of wine. It's hilarious. People are just in the street eating. So as I was going, I didn't know about this. Wednesday was the first day I went out. And as I'm riding the bike down the bike lane, I almost ran into three different waiters carrying dishes across to the parking lot tables. They're not paying attention. They're not, you know, when you go to waitering school, in air quotes, the one thing they probably don't tell you, now you got to watch out for cyclists. Now, this is the most important thing I can tell you in waitering school. You must watch out for the cyclists that could come out of anywhere. <laughs> they don't tell you that. you got to bring food now. Now you just don't have to bring it from the kitchen on a big tray. You have to bring it from the kitchen, out the doors, onto the sidewalk, and then into the street. It's kind of like the waiter in Beverly Hills Cop who brings the late supper to Judge Reinhold and and the and what God what's his name? Uh, ah, crap! Not the actor's name. I want to think of the Rosewood and Taggart. Yes. Oh, thank God! I really thought I was getting dementia. Um, remember the guy brings the late supper and he goes, "What's the late supper?" Well, this guy comes in in a tray and he goes, "Shut up, Rosewood, Rosemont, Rosewood." It's Rosewood, isn't it? He's just a man that ruined the buffet. <laughs> just a man that wrecked the buffet. Shut up. What, he can hear me through that? He goes, yes. Anyway, that's all about the hills. But it's exactly like that. That waiter coming out with that big tray across the street, 
past the cars and into the table to go. Out. I mean, it, it, it's not even a joke. It it really is like that. I almost hit three waiters. I, I was just picturing that old Sesame Street, the 10 custard pies. And then the guy just falls over. I mean, I had to put on the brakes like several times because I thought I was going to hit. And, you know, if you're drinking and you have to go to the bathroom, you're not. There's all these drunks coming through, too. People are eating and drinking and they're they're not thinking of the bike path. I wouldn't that's the last thing I'd think of if I got out of a table in a restaurant. I mean, what a nightmare. And yet it did look good, but then you're like, what oh, the, all these cars are zooming and they're the, the exhaust fumes. I mean, it's just it's good and bad. I mean, fortunately, the weather here in New York City has been perfect. Oh, it's summer, but there hasn't been humidity. There's been a nice breeze. The night times after seven o'clock have been flawless it's as if you know god knows like well look let's give them some decent weather at least you know let's at least do that and so it's been perfect so that's why everybody wants to sit outside i don't know what it's going to be like i don't know what it would be like if it was super humid i guess the restaurants would have a problem then so at least there's something people can do to make some money so i go down wednesday to the to my bar because my friend Lori was working on wednesdays i sit down at the table at the thing uh with some friends and we're just sitting on the street. We're on the street and cars are going by. I mean, it's kind of fun because it's nice because usually this bar doesn't have an outside area. It usually just has the windows open and we're inside. So it was kind of nice and there were good people and Olga came by and she looked beautiful. Actually, she, I think she was going on a date. She looked amazing. Um, and then I head home you know because everything's closing early there's no reason to stay out but then uh this girl lynn coplitz came by and said that the cellar was open the restaurant of the cellar was open they were putting tables outside and i'm like i kind of want to see that but i also want to go home so i start walking home i'm on 34th of madison i get a call from Italy. he says hey i just picked up russman eve we're gonna go out to eat somewhere where are you i'll pick you up and i said i'm on 34th of madison he goes wait there so we decide we're gonna try this out and of course to tell Typical, you know, like, let's go out at 10 o'clock. I'm sure everything's normal. So crazy. So I suggest going to Little Italy, which may be the only place, you know, that's open a little bit later than some of these other places for dinner. And we found a place, and it was lovely. Now, remember, Little Italy food is subpar. So you're not going there for the food. You're just going there for the experience. You know, we had chicken parm. It's just okay. Like, we were trying to explain to Russ why it's not good and... It's not bad. It's just Little Italy food is not good. It's not the best Italian food you're going to have. It's kind of sad. But they probably don't care because most people who eat Little Italy are going to be tourists, and they're not going to know the difference. But we know. So that's not the point of the story. We sat down uh, at the sidewalk right by the restaurant, but there were other people in the street. Now, those people (laughs) at one point had to move their tables, chairs, and food because two garbage trucks came by that couldn't get through while the people were seated outside. It was so funny and just fucked up. And if you were making a movie about it as a joke that something happened where they just allowed seating, if none of this happened, and we just said that there was a crazy mayor that just allowed seating on the street, this would be part of a a movie where you're just sitting there and the garbage truck comes by like a guy, like a Ben Stiller movie on the first date and the garbage truck comes by and, you know, I mean, this is not 
sanitary conditions. You may not catch this virus, but you might catch something just eating on the street with car exhaust and garbage fumes. <laughs> That's so sick. But I guess you won't catch the deadly virus. Uh, but it's so weird. Anyway, after that, we had a lovely time and we went to the cellar because, you know, Attell can't contain himself. And quite frankly, it's not just him. There was a bunch of comics just hanging out because the cellar restaurant opened and we're just hanging out. Like these people cannot contain themselves from just hanging out in the front of this stupid, dirty place in McDougal Street. And, 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 you know, uh, Mineta. I mean, right on the corner. I mean, I've been hanging out in that corner for 30 years. And sometimes it's a good time, but I mean, there's no reason to hang out there now. And yet there we are hanging out because, and, and listen, I'm just as guilty. What did I do when I went, said, I'm like, oh, I want to take a bike ride. I want to take the motorcycle down. I had to go down to the cellar. It's like, I, I, I'm addicted to it too. It's crazy. There's something about that place. It just draws us. So, you know, it was nice to see people. I saw Artie Fuqua, who was in the um, car accident with Tracy Morgan. And he says, "Just out, I just met this kid the other day. We did a show. I guess they did an out- they've been doing a lot of outdoor shows. He said, you were his mentor and he loved you. And I can't remember his name. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't sound right. Are you sure you're talking about Dave Juskow? Yeah, yeah. He was like saying, like, you, you know, changed his life. And I'm like, Again, this doesn't add up at all. Artie, are you positive that car wreck didn't affect your memory? But anyway, it was really good to see him and a bunch of people. So um, my nose is running, of course, because I'm excited. And, you know, going in and out of the air conditioning. Eh, what are you going to do? Oh, by the way, when I was at my mother's, she's like, let's go eat outside. I'm like, no, I'm really enjoying central air right now. It is very comfortable in this house. With central air. I mean, with the air blowing, it's loud. Sometimes I turn it off. I'm too cold. Then I'm not cold. I mean, air conditioning and window air conditioning, just central. You don't even know that you miss it until it's there. And it's so beautiful. I'm sure a lot of you people have it. You don't even realize how wonderful it is. Central air. Oh, my next place. That is what I'm doing. First thing, I'll invest in it. You know what? You could probably get central air put in. Do it. But it's going to cost 100 That Do it, I said. What? How much? Anyway, then uh, he drove home. Any, the next day, so I've been doing the Comedy Cellar nightly shows. I don't know. You can look them up on YouTube. I've been hosting the Comedy Cellar nightly shows a couple times a week sometimes. You know, when they bring in the D list of people, I'm like, well, I don't know who any of these people are, but I look them. I know some of them, you know. But I like to really prepare. I do research for the people so I can say, hey, you might remember this guy. He's got his new podcast. She's got his new podcast, you know, that kind of stuff. And then I, you know, I really get topics together. I really try hard to keep the conversation going. And I suppose, you know, doing this podcast and interviewing people is very helpful. So I'm very good at that, I'd like to think. And they clearly must too, because they, Keep asking me to host it. I know I'm the last person they asked, but whatever. You know, still, it's it's exciting. And so Rachel hosted on, I guess, Friday. And uh, so now that the cellar's open, Mike Yard and Keith Robinson went to the cellar 
because now everybody's excited. And they were zooming from the cellar, but it was so annoying because there was so much background noise that it was like ruining the show. So then once they left, the show was good. But it was too for the for that show. It was, it was a nice like uh, say hello. But why again? Why did they have to be at the cellar? There's nothing going on there. They're not doing comedy, but people are so desperate to be out and doing something that feels normal. Keith Robinson came in from New Jersey. He lives by like where I grew up just to see, wait, the restaurant open and they put tables. I got to see this for myself. And and he shouldn't be going anywhere. He has a pre-existing condition of a stroke, (laughs) but you can't ask people to contain themselves for this long. It's insane. So what are we doing? Four months now, March, April, May, June, almost July. So, what do you expect people to do? What do you expect people to do? I mean, the people that are saying you're ruining my freedoms and all that kind of stuff and not wearing a mask, I mean, that's I mean, that's insane. There's a point to what they're saying, but it's insane. I, again, I really just think open it all up. I mean, now baseball's starting again. I can't believe it. I can't believe they came to an agreement basketball starting again but will it start every time they go to training camp five more people have the virus and then they have to shut everything down so even though it's starting in late july we don't know whether it's going to start at all but maybe it's just better to open like i've been saying from the beginning open it all up let everything spike let the people who get it get it hope that it's not fatal and the virus will have nowhere to go and that's how you combat it. I don't know any other way to do it. <laughs> I mean, we have to open up at some point. I'm screwed. I'm very nervous. I don't know. I, my The government gave me a couple of, you know, like a couple of grand, but it's over. My monthly nut, as you might say, which I don't particularly like that word, is about like five grand a month to between bills and rent um that's that's a lot and i'm making zero so i i don't know how i'm going to make a living now if the comedy seller were to open i mean we're going into phase three i think next week whatever that is but the comedy seller is phase four so assuming phase four goes as scheduled whenever that is let's say it's august 1st uh well again you know Who's coming? Who would go to a comedy club? I think a lot of people will go, but they have to be at half capacity. It's not going to be full. How, how again, does Dave just got to make a living? He makes a living selling shows and hoping to get a full crowd so he gets money. Um, so even if it were to open in August, I probably couldn't put anything together until September, if that's even the case. It'll only be at half the price kind of doomed i'm really not sure what to do i've applied for unemployment but i haven't gotten it yet so i'm very confused and i'm sure there's a lot of people like me who are very confused on what to do next and as you know this was my second career you know i was making a a midlife change in how i proceed in life now i'm asked to make a third change and i don't know what that is I really have no idea. Uh, I'm not a forward thinker. 
I'm, I'm, I'm not a forward taker and I'm, and I'm not a strong swimmer. So, <laughs> so the question would be, how am I spending my time? And I'm going to tell you people right now, and when I say you people, I mean, you know, the black people. No, I'm kidding. Um, I can't say you people without thinking I'm saying something wrong anymore. Uh, again, you know, white people, uh, stop, uh, stop parading around thinking that black people need your help. I mean, maybe they do, but not, you're doing it wrong. You, you're just, you're just awful. Uh, this is where I've, I've lost it. I've absolutely, I've lost it. It's over for me. I have... I know I've lost it because when I'm doing it, I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? I am all in on this. I don't even know where to begin with this. What I'm about to say, I let me just apologize in advance. Now, some of you might tune out, and we'll talk about the uh, the Jets or baseball later, but uh, <laughs> I've been uh, kind of obsessed, and it just happened like this week. Uh, with the show, uh, if you know anything about me and you've listened to this podcast over the years, you know that for some reason I have a soft spot, <laughs> or maybe the other way, <clears throat> for um, <laughs> I don't even want to tell you. I don't even want to tell you. That's why I'm stalling. I can't even. Everyone knows Dave just got like shows about female witches. <laughs> You can't even begin to know where this is going. You can't. Everybody knows I like Sabrina. No matter what it is, whether it's Melissa Joan Hart, whether it's the new Netflix one, I like shows about hot girl witches. I have a problem. I don't know what it is. I didn't really care for I well, I dream of genie, I guess I like, but I didn't really care for I dream of genie bewitched that much. I mean, certainly I watched them. I dream of genie being be- much better than bewitched. And they just weren't hot enough for me. Um, and the shows weren't that funny, except for Paul Lynn. He was good in both. He was in I Dream Genie and Bewitched. Major Nelson has a genie. <laughs> Hello, Derwood. I'm, I'm mixing up the genres. But um, so I don't know whether you saw my Instagram last week or my tweet that where Netflix recommends things for me and you know it said david netflix recommends queer eye for you and i'm like what the fuck (laughs) what am i watching that's going to recommend queer eye to me is it when lee maracas comes over my house and just puts all this gay stuff into my box like my box it all sounds weird um he puts it all my machine while i'm in the kitchen uh all this gay stuff that pops up and clogs my dvr it's very funny but there's no way Netflix could know about that. <laughs> I don't think. Maybe they do. Anyway, they recommended this. Um, I look at uh, you know the show. It's called Good Witch. It's called Good Witch. All right. What do you want me to say? That's what it's called, Good Witch. And I'm like, well, what is this? You know. And I'm looking it up. And like, oh, this witch comes to town and uh, charms everybody. <laughs> I'm like. So then I look it up and it's like on the whole, it's a Hallmark Channel show. And I'm like, um, well, uh, it's a Hallmark Channel show, but, uh, I don't know. It 
kind of looks brilliant. So I look it up, and they say, Goodwitch series, there's five seasons. And then I find out there's six seasons. Like, like it's current. I thought it was like a show from the 80s or something. But no, it's it's completely current. They <clears throat> Sorry. They just had the last season. I think it just started, like, last month. They're on episode nine of the of the new season, season six. And it starts Catherine Bell, whoever the fuck that is. I know she was on JAG, I think. Um, you know, who cares? But I'm watching it, and I'm like, why am I watching this? And her daughter's kind of hot. Not hot, she's cute. <laughs> and it, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it's it's horrible. It's unwatchable, and yet I watched the first season in a day, which I usually don't do, but I was getting excited, and I'm like, well, you know, I'll watch another Good Witch. Okay, we get excited. I'm like, I should do, I should do some editing or something. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, you know what? I'll watch another. There's only 42 minutes, and I'm like, oh, I'll watch another Good Witch. And then when I put it on, I just start laughing. And then when the credits go, I go, ooh, you know, because they leave on a cliffhanger. And I'm like, what? What am I doing? What am I doing? I mean, this show is it's it's awful, and yet I can't turn away. It's the greatest show I've ever seen. <laughs> It's Catherine Bell. She's, you know, and the thing is, at least she's older. She's my age, and the you know the guy she's the, 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 the people in the show are my age, so I don't feel as horrible watching and seeing pretty girls. Like so, there's this episode where her cousin comes in, oh, and she's a little evil. Oh, and she's hot, and she's stirring the pot, as they say in witchcraft, <laughs> and it's hot. And there's a lot of hot girls who are age appropriate, thank you, in this show that I like a lot. And then I just keep doing research on it, you know, because I can't help myself. I'm like, where, where did this show come from? What is this? And I'm looking on Wikipedia. I'm like, and then I see spoiler alerts. I'm like, oh, come on. I can't believe this happens. I, didn't, I should never have looked. I don't want to know if they get together or not. I mean, I know they're going to get together, but this is ridiculous. And then I find out that I'm just looking at the series. There's a bunch of movies. There's like seven movies. They get one a year called The Good Witch with the same cast pretty much that started in 2008. It's 12 years old and it's still going. This is like a popular, popular show I've never heard of in my life and neither of you, I'm assuming. Although, you know, people that listen to this podcast, we're, we're a little weird. So maybe you have. I mean, I can just tell you right away that this is a bad show you don't want to see just by the opening theme. It's like a soap opera. They film it just like a soap opera. I'm pretty much watching General Hospital without the just with with, with it's kind of great cuz there's no screwovers. It's all niceness. Everybody's polite and nice. Even the villains are you know taken care of very quickly. Um this is the opening theme and then you'll know what i'm saying yeah i have a problem no man my age no man should be watching any show that opens with that theme but 
There I am. And it gets worse. So last night, I finished the first season. And I'm so obsessed with this. I, I got to find out more information. I got to go back. So I watched the first movie from 2008. Well, quite frankly, Catherine Bell looked uh, you know, a lot better. I know that's a horrible thing to say, but it's just saying. She, now I get it. Um, I, I, I had to watch. I don't know why. I had to watch it. I had to see the backstory because I'm insane. And I watched this 90-minute movie. And there's like f- six more. So now after every season, I'm going to go back and watch because I've, I've lost my mind. There's just no other way to say it. But it gets worse. Last night at 3 in the morning, yeah, I don't even think I took a nap. I started watching. She owns this store called Bell Book and Candle. You ready for this? Are you ready for this, folks? Excuse me. Hold it, hold it. Are you finished? Are you finished? Yeah. Because I have... The greatest <laughs> Danny Rose story. All right. Yeah. They got a couple of moments. You want to do anything? Because this is going to take okay, some time. Go ahead. I'm going to go order. change my order. suit. Order. Thank okay, order. Are you ready? Yeah. We're going to be here. All, all right. right. Okay. This, sure is this, is the, great. this is the greatest Danny okay. Rose story. All right. We're going to be here for a while. All right. Did you? You better order already and everything because this is the best Danny Rose story. No. No. So. She owns the store Bed, Book, and Candle. Now, a couple years ago, you might remember when I had my phony manager, Vanessa, who, of course, as you know, turned out to be a psychopath um, or a sociopath. I believe that's what it's called. I got a play. I purchased a play called Bed, Book, and Candle. Bed, Bed Book, and... Yeah, I think I... Oh, my God, I am losing my mind. Um... And I said, well, I could star in this play because it starred Jimmy Stewart, I believe, on Broadway, and he was my age when he did it. And, well, what is the play about? It's about a guy, and um, there's a witch who lives downstairs with a cat. Uh, (laughs) This is way before Sabrina. It's 1958. And they made a movie with Jimmy Stewart and Kim Novak. That Kim Novak had some interesting breasts. Uh, not interesting, but uh, doing the Seinfeld. Speaking of which, the guy who said I have the best Danny Rose story is also from Seinfeld. I think it's um, the guy with the pen, the astronaut pen. Jerry, I still got that pen. Um, so I bought the play, and I was like, I'm going to do this play because I <laughs> it's hot. And then I was like, I don't know if I can do this play because it's just it's – just, it's just a play where this, you know, sexy witch seduces me. <laughs> and I'm like, well, why wouldn't I want to do this play? But I'm like, nobody's going to buy this. <laughs> but it's hot. And she just, you know, runs this artifact store, just like in this show, this bed book, bed, bed book and candle. She, she you know, she owns a, the store is, uh, you know, uh, you know, the stuff you put in a potion, uh, you know, aromatherapy and all those kind of things and, you know, healthy stuff. But in this one, it's ain't, you know, African artifacts because they didn't know about that kind of stuff back then. And anyway, I anyway, I watched the movie last night. I finally watched the movie with Jimmy Stewart, Kim Novak, Jack Lemon, and Ernie Kovacs. It was awful. 
but I, 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 I was interested in every moment. I mean, it's absolutely horrible. Bed, book, and candle. Pretty sh- yeah, that's the name. And uh, you know, she puts a spell on him to make uh, Jimmy Stewart love her because he doesn't want her marrying her old rival from college. How hot is that? She has a cat, and it's the cat that actually works the magic. And I mean, you know, what am I going to do? I like talking cats. I like cats that do stuff. You, do you know that the other day I turned on an old Star Trek from Netflix? And wouldn't you know, it's a Simon Earth, and it's the one with this, you know, this Gary Seven and Terry Gar. And what's he doing? He's talking to this black cat named Isis. I think the cat's name in Bell Book, Bed Book. Oh, my God. Bed, Book, and Candle is also named Isis. No, it's named something else. My original cat's name before I changed it to Selena was Isis. So this is just crazy. And I'm watching this Star Trek, and he's talking to the cat the whole time. And he's like, yeah, I know, I know. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is exactly what I'm, this is what I'm doing. I'm talk- I mean, I got to make a show with a cat talking. I love talking cats because I clearly have a problem. Nobody would watch six seasons of, the- of Good Witch if you're not seriously demented. As a man, it's not made for men. It's not even made for gay men. I don't know who the hell it's made for. I really don't know who the hell it's made for. But it's such a massive Hallmark Channel hit. It spawned seven movies and a six-season TV series. And nobody knows about it except now you and me. Completely obsessed. I don't know what to do about it. I mean, think about that. Then I watched the original movie and then the movie that the place that she owns is based on. Bed, Book, and Kettle, which I believe they based Bewitched on. And I read the play and then seen the movie. I'm out of my mind. I don't know whether I'm obsessed with witches or talking cats. I don't know what's happening. And they're not talking, but you don't, you know, they meow. But then, you know, you're like, yeah, I know. Yeah. No, I got you. <laughs> I hope. Did everybody drop off? Is that is that the end of the podcast? I mean, forever. Do I still have any listeners? I am so sorry. I don't know what happened. Uh, something. I clearly have an issue. And there's just nothing I can say to make it better. I don't know whether I lost my mind, you know, initially uh many you know before the quarantine or whether i've always been like this i don't know whether i would watch this show if i wasn't in quarantine oh who am i kidding we know i would let's move on to something more i'd like to say manly but i don't think i have anything that's um i'm looking at my uh well here's something yeah let's go let's go back to getting angry about stuff and uh it's not manly but it's um well, it's actually just as pathetic as, listen, if you like this podcast, you're going to like what I'm going to, well, you're not going to like what I'm going to say next. In fact, it's going to anger you too. So I, uh, now you just, now it's just 20 minutes of like, what is the matter with this person? Dan Natterman called me on Wednesday night after I left the bar. He called me three times. I'm like, Dan Natterman never calls me. He never calls. He's like, it's it's an emergency. And I'm like, what what is a Dan Natterman emergency? Well, let me tell you something. Dan Natterman knows how to use the word emergency correctly. He told me that on his show with the uh, owner of the Comedy Cellar, Noam Dorman, 
And it's called Live from the Table. I've been on it multiple times down at the Comedy Cellar. But now, of course, they're doing it virtually. Their guest this week was Ted Lang. You know Ted Lang? He's the bartender from the Love Boat. He called me to tell me that the guest was Ted Lang. And he would not talk about the love boat. And I went ballistic. He's like, yeah, he just wanted to talk about his new play on YouTube. And I'm like, what? His new play on YouTube? What? What the fuck is the matter with this guy? And then I said, you know, all these people that had problems in the 70s and 80s, and maybe didn't want to know from their past, like the Brady Bunch or um, the Gilligan's Island people or anybody, Love Boat people, right? And they, you know, for years, they're like, this show ruined me. I couldn't get any other work. But most of them, 20 years later, came to terms with their places in the world and how great it was to be a part of this, these shows, except for clearly this douchebag. And Ginger from Gilligan's Island. She's still angry. Still fucking angry. This uh, Tina Louise. And clearly so is this guy. Are you kidding? You're like the one black guy on a show that everybody worshipped and no one, you know, was like, hey, why is that black guy in there? I mean, it was like, it was important for you to be on there. Everybody was doing your moves. The double fingers. I mean... Who didn't do Isaac from Love Boat? Who even thought, is that is that considered racist now because you're doing a thing a black guy did on a TV show? If Can can we still do that? I mean, his presence on that show, was it's almost important. So what the hell is that? Now, we've had Larry from Three's Company on my show, Richard Klein. And he clearly has come to terms with, with the fact that he is Larry from Three's Company. People might refer to him as Larry from Three's Company, but he loves it. And he is so um, grateful for having the opportunity to be on a show and work with a great comic genius like John Ritter. He gets it. And maybe he didn't get it back when it was over, you know, back in the in the early 90s. But time passed, and he goes, you know what? It's fucking awesome that I was on that show. And that's the way most people are at this point because we know how much we care about with MeTV and Nick at Night and all that kind of stuff with the reruns where there's a new generation of people enjoying it. And and, and what did we do with Richard Klein? We talked about Three's Company for 20 minutes. Then we talked about the fact that he was in Waitress on Broadway. Then we talked about his teaching. You can't... This, this guy, he's too big to talk about Love Boat. Then you can talk about his stupid play which is on YouTube. I was appalled. I mean, absolutely appalled. And I love this guy mostly because of this particular episode, which I've been talking about for years. Oh, pardon me. Freight train. Freight train Washington. Reggie. <laughs> Hey! Hey, fine, man. Work on the ship? Yeah. I didn't know that. Hey, well, I know what you've been doing. I mean... Ooh! Wait! Hey, listen, 
man. I got two of my best friends I want you to meet, okay? Hey, wait, wait, wait. Nobody ever believes me when I tell them Reggie Jackson and I are buddies. Richard, I need a favor first. Name it. I don't want anybody to know I'm here. Name something else. Hey, man, the least you could do is tell me why. Where, where can we talk? In my cabin. I'll meet you in ten minutes. You can't miss it. The crew deck is just above the bilge. After you. You're the home team. Solid. Solid. <laughs> hey, Freight Train Washington. That was my favorite episode as a kid with Reggie Jackson. Every kid liked Reggie Jackson. That was the best one that him and uh, Isaac were friends. How do you not want to talk about just that episode alone? Yeah, it was great. I got to meet Reggie Jackson and we did scenes together. And Reggie Jackson's the fucking coolest. He's the fucking coolest. Reggie Jackson was the shit. How do you not want to just talk about that alone? Hey, can I ask you about the Reggie Jackson episode? No. No, Reggie Jackson was an asshole. You know Reggie Jackson wasn't an asshole. There's no... We know he kind of was an asshole, but I don't think he was an asshole on on that show. I mean, we know Reggie was kind of an asshole, but that's all right. You can be an asshole when you you walk the walk. Man, I love that episode. Because remember, he didn't want to be, he didn't want anybody to know Reggie Jackson was on. I didn't think I had it right and I found the episode. I thought maybe he was using a different name, but he was playing Reggie Jackson, but he didn't want anybody to know it was Reggie Jackson. So then when people weren't noticing, it was driving him crazy until as we, oh, and, <laughs> and, and I love when athletes have to do serious scenes, which of course they were always asked to do on the love boat. Yeah, your acting chops. Like I saw one with Gene Rayburn and Fanny Flagg the other day and they have to get. <laughs> Stupid show. <laughs> Maybe I can understand why he doesn't want to talk about it. Hey, you look like you've been working out. Yeah, but it hasn't been doing me any good, man. Well, what do you mean? Nobody on the boat seems to be recognizing me. Well, hey, man, I thought that was what you wanted. Well, it was, but that was before I struck out twice with the same lady. <laughs> Wait, you, you got to do me a favor. Tell the people on the boat who I am. All right, and I know just where to start. See my friend over there? His name is Lucas, and his parents just split up, and he's taking it kind of hard. Say no more. I got a cup. Hi. Hi. Lucas, I want you to meet a friend of mine, Reggie Jackson. Oh, hi. I thought I recognized you. Must be a Pete Rose fan, huh? Want to talk about it? No. Well, I understand. I struck out five times in a row once. And I don't want to talk to anybody. But you know, it seems like if you don't talk about it, the problem just seems to get worse. This is different. My parents broke up because of me. What makes you think that? I heard them. Did you talk to them about it? Nah. They don't care. You know, if the catcher doesn't give the pitcher the signal, then the pitcher doesn't know what to throw. Yeah, in other words, if you don't tell your parents how you feel, how are they going to know you have a problem? It'll just make things worse. It might make things better. You see, a family's like a team. And every guy on the team has to trust the other guy. And if you trust your folks, then they'll listen. I'm afraid. 
Sometimes I'm afraid too. Sometimes I think everybody's afraid. But that's not the important thing. The important thing is how you handle it. Yeah, I guess so. You know so. Reggie says it so. Yeah. You tell him, Reggie. It's like one time I had five strikeouts. I love all the baseball analogies. You see, a family is like a team. And you have to trust the other teammates. <laughs> one time I struck out five times. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I mean, this is great stuff. <laughs> it's just when you see your heroes do stuff like this, it was awesome. Back in the day, it was so ridiculous. Oh, by the way, here's him striking out with the girl. And it just it's totally like Keith Hernandez on the Seinfeld episode. It's just funny with, you know, when they listen, don't we love that kind of shit? When the baseball players or our sports legends are on TV shows. This is why we used to like OJ so much. It's been a wonderful evening. Gee, the way you say that, it sounds an awful lot like strike three. What made you think you were going to get to first base with me? Well, I was hoping for a home run. Home run? Who do you think you are? Reggie Jackson? <laughs> I mean, that as a kid, that... That gag worked every time. <laughs> they didn't know it was. And he was so annoying that at the end, he's holding up a huge sign saying, I am Reggie Jackson signing autographs. I mean, I've talked about it multiple times on the podcast. It was just, it was the greatest. <laughs> he just, he couldn't take it anymore. I am Reggie, <laughs> Reggie Jackson. And then, of course, the best line, which I thought was done by the captain, but it's actually by Doc. I got a little pull, you know. I might be able to get you some tickets to a game. In the front row. Solid. See ya. Okay. Hey. That wasn't who I thought it was, was it? Is, was, and always will be. Imagine that. I was on the same ship as O.J. Simpson. What's funnier than that now? But fuck Isaac. That ain't cool. I would just like talk about that episode alone. I mean... Reggie Jackson, are you seeing him back in his prime? And this was maybe, must have been right. I mean, he was wearing a Yankee hat. I think he might have been with Oakland at that time, but he was wearing, no, he was wearing a Yankee hat in it because he clearly wanted everybody to know. I mean, it was right after, you know, directly after the three home runs in the World Series. Reggie Jackson, Reggie Jackson was the coolest. He was the coolest. He could, you know, he made, you know, people like him and OJ and stuff. I mean, you know, they, 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 they made racism better because there were white kids like me who thought he was the greatest and did and saw beyond the color. You know, they, they, they could, I think they, uh, I mean, that's the way it is with athletes. You know, it's funny. I, I remember growing up, we, in fact, he was just on the fan. The other his brother was, we met Bruce Taylor when I was in first grade. Because he lived in our neighborhood. He was a 49er. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know anything about sports. And he came to the school and he talked. Huge black guy, you know. And we were so excited. Again, I don't, we didn't even think about him being black. And he lived in our neighborhood. Just wasn't a, or he grew up here and, and he came back and, and he was so huge. I remember shaking his hand and we were all like, we'll never wash this hand again. It was just kind of funny, like sports, music movies they change the way we think of race sometimes you know when you're in love with somebody so much and you see past the color you know like eddie murphy and uh, well anything really 
I mean, Josh, I was watching Beverly Hills Cop the other day as we were just talking about. It. I mean, that guy, he was he was amazing in that. But at least he was playing a black guy in an out-of-place thing, and that's what made it so good. So you don't forget about them being black, but it's just like, you know, you worship them in a way that you just want everybody to feel about everybody, I guess. I don't know. I just keep thinking about when they, the way they keep thinking about people and taking away things. And I'm like, you know, you better be careful because a lot of that stuff really meant a lot to a lot of kids growing up that could be worse off in their racism if we didn't have them. All right, let's move on. Enough of that. We don't want any of that talk today. Uh, speaking of um, that time period, I guess 77, 78, I was talking to my friend Rich Duffy, who I went to elementary school and junior high and high school with, and we talk all the time, and he's called in on the podcast, and he listens all the time, and he's terrific, one of the best kids I've ever known in my life. Good quality kid. My dad worshipped him because he was an Eagle Scout. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they only have the cream of the crop nice guys in that, and uh, yeah, it's a big deal to move from Boy Scouts to Eagle Scouts. I know nobody cares now, but still, it's like a, it's a big you got to be a good man. You know, do that, and then he became a fireman, and then he, you know, ran for office in his town. Now he lives, you know, with his uh, girlfriend and or wife. I, I don't know where they got married, um, in Northern California, and he's a, just a terrific guy. And I think I mentioned his just lost his mom the other day, and you know, again, I was talking about like, this girl I've been talking to in Vermont, and how much her dad meant to me, which is horrible because she doesn't get along with her dad. And I just and I. I have to keep stopping myself saying, well, what a great guy it was because, you know, for me, I, I didn't like my dad. So her dad was great to me. He's horrible to her. He was great to me. Uh, and Rich Duffy's parents were so nice to me. They were nice to him, too. He didn't have any problems with his parents, but <clears throat> they were so nice to me, especially the little Jewish boy down there. You know, they they were taught to hate Jews, technically. I mean, you know, they're living in an all Jew neighborhood and stuff, and st- but they were so pleasant and nice and Anyway, he's a good kid, and uh, the, the the point being, this kid was the most accident-prone kid I've ever met uh, when I didn't even know what accident-prone was. He's always – it's funny because he's very healthy and, and, and built, but he just – you know, growing up, he just had a lot of accidents, not like health issues. He always just got into trouble. I don't know, like he'd, he'd burst into flames or – you know, he cut himself somewhere where he had to be out for, and then he just broke his leg, and he had to be out for like six months or something. So yeah, this must have been in '77. Uh, and <laughs> think about this: we were just talking about this the other day. Her name was Mrs. Van Wynen, and she was our Spanish teacher, and she was the hottest person I've ever seen in my life. As every Spanish teacher we know in the history of you know, the 70s was, she was just so hot. And yeah, multiple, every boy in the class was doing whatever to this beautiful, beautiful single woman. And she was just gorgeous. I mean, just so gorgeous. And he had to be tutored. Uh, and she would come and to his house and tutor him. And I would be like, how can you stand? I could barely get through class. She would keep me after class sometimes. And I think I was bad on purpose. I just wanted to spend time with her. I mean, she I, I, believe me, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know whether there's a picture of her or anywhere, but anybody that was in that class, any boy, any girl would say, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we, we get how the boys were about her. I mean, she was just absolutely stunning. And she would go to Rich Duffy's house 
and tutor him. And so, and sometimes she would come there in a tennis outfit, a 70s tennis outfit. She'd just finish playing tennis and then go over and tutor. Now, who in their right mind doesn't... Now, maybe she must have been 22, 23. You know, obviously, she seemed like she was 50 to us, being 13. But how do you not know? Don't go to a little boy's house dressed in a little mini skirt tennis outfit. You know, when you're sitting there teaching the kids Spanish, you're sitting right next... I mean, how do you not... This is how you figure this kind of stuff that we hear about with teachers all the time must happen. I mean, why would she not? Well, I have to play tennis first, but I'm going to change in the car because I don't want to send off the wrong impression. I mean, I'm sure she wasn't thinking that way at all. It's just like, well, I can go on my tennis. After I finish tennis, I'll go and tutor him. I mean, but this, I, oh, I would be, I don't even, I could not. How could you concentrate? I don't know what grade he got that year, but I mean, that's a lot to ask for a 13-year-old boy to sit there and be tutored for an hour with this ridiculously hot woman in a tennis outfit. And you know what I'm talking about, the 70s tennis outfits. I mean, they're just ridiculous. It's, I think, I'm thinking about it in my mind right now. I can't even talk about it that much because it's, it's still turning me out. And remember, I never saw it. I just have a picture in my mind about it, which, you know, I worked from for many years. Remember, before internet porn, this is all we had, just thoughts and, and you know, of what, you know, somebody told us about something. That's that's all we had. I, I can't even imagine what it's like to be a kid these days where you can just go to your phone and be like, yeah, hey, here we go. I mean, you, you know, you, we had to go to in our, our dad's drawers and, and look at the the, the Playboy's. You know there had to, there had to be scheming involved, to, just to just to masturbate. I, 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 it's just so easy now. But now, you know, everybody's so you know that's why they say men have a lot of trouble now because they're just so. This is one way, and then reality is not that way, and it's all confusing. But you know, if you're thinking again, and here we are again, right? We're thinking about quarantine and how. You know, can you imagine being quarantined in the 70s or the 80s? I mean, think about this. All right. Not only do I have this one beautiful device that somehow I can just get every scenario that I had in my head in the 70s for sexual and I can turn on a site and there's somebody else out there who had all those scenarios in his head, too, or her head, and they put them in this thing and I can watch it live with really some of the hottest girls I've ever seen in my life, which is different again from the eighties. So there's a device that does that. But then think about this last night. I said, you know, I really got to check out this movie bell book and candle from 1958 one day. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I bet you I can find it somehow on my television. And so I did. And that is the lesson for all this quarantining the lesson is, oh my God, I've said this before, how lucky are we that during this time, I'm able to say, I need to see a movie, one of the movies that was, you know, that we can watch any movie ever made without leaving our house, without calling anybody. I mean, you just, 
pull it up. Maybe I I didn't particularly pay for this one, but I could have. I mean, it's unbelievable. I can listen to any song ever recorded, any TV show ever made, pretty much, but definitely every any movie ever made. It's kind of I can't stop thinking about it. It's really unbelievable. And, you know, so what I'm saying is, what a great time in society to be quarantined. (laughs) And we can communicate with others and see them on video. I can't even imagine. Can you imagine what it would be like? And just the 80s alone, and the 80s were fun. But there was nothing to do, and the 80s were better than the 70s. I guess I'm just thinking about my lifetime, and I'm thinking... I can't imagine being quarantined at those times. Now, the other thing I can't imagine is living in my place in Queen. Well, you know what? I probably just would have gone home to my parents. Or would I? I really didn't get along with my dad. I don't know. Oh, boy. I probably would have killed myself. If I had lived in that place in Queens that I hated so much and not being able to see anybody and live in that. Oh, my God. I can't even think about that. There must be people that must be so miserable. And, again, when you see these families on you know, TV and they're like, you know, so upset. They're like, oh, we're doing our best in our backyard with our pool. You just want to punch them in the face. They don't understand. I am lucky. I live in a building with people. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't have a terrace. And I can't go outside. I'm, but, you know, I'm an adult. Technically, I can go out and get groceries. When I was living in Queens when I was 22 or 24, I... I didn't. I never went to the grocery store once. I, I didn't have anything in my house. Nothing. I never used that kitchen. Not once, ever. I didn't know how to handle things. I didn't know how to take care of myself. Then there must be guys like me who certainly didn't want to go home to their families, uh, and are just you know waiting it out. And it must be very miserable. Actually, I talked to a girl today or yesterday. Uh, my friend Ron Ponchak, who I've known since college. Uh, his daughter wants to be on The Bachelor, and I think I can help her. And I just talked to her, and she lives around here in Manhattan. She's obviously very pretty. And she stayed here the whole time. I'm like, I'm surprised you didn't go to your dad's or something. And uh, she's like, no, I stuck it out here. I got roommates. We were okay. We had a good time. So and she's only 25. And, uh, I, you know, I just I really thought all girls that age went home to their parents. But I guess a couple of them stuck it out. And, uh, you know, I think we'll hear a lot of these quarantining stories. You know, somebody's going to write a book or a movie or a documentary, and we're going to hear good stuff and bad stuff. I assume the good stuff will come from people in the Hamptons, maybe. Not the people that live there year-round. There's a whole bunch of other stuff I got to do, and I'm going to go for it. I don't care. Yeah, let's talk about that next week. Um, I'm just looking at my stuff. I think I'm going to go. By the way, I went to the dentist two weeks ago, and that was a lovely experience, but they cannot no longer use that thing where they really clean everything out with that water splashes all over your face. They they can't use that anymore, which is a major bummer. I love that tool. <laughs> tool. I think now I'm going to go to uh, a topic I've had prepared tonight which is James Bond and the Beatles. There's a big connection between James Bond and the Beatles, which is odd because this, this we've played this before, but this 
scene is in Goldfinger, and then you'd be surprised, especially since it's at the same time the Beatles became popular, that there is so much connection between Bond and the Beatles. Well, it's lost its chill. Yeah. There's another in the fridge. Who needs it? My dear girl, there are some things that just aren't done. Such as drinking Dom Perignon 53 above a temperature of 38 degrees Fahrenheit. That's as bad as listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. Very strange line in Goldfinger. That's about as bad as listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. Which makes Bond seem like an old fuddy-duddy. Which is kind of odd because they've been spending 50 years trying to make him totally cool. Uh, so a strange line for people to um, do, but then we, I was looking at the things, so there's that connection. And then, of course, you know, Ringo ends up marrying a Bond girl. Paul McCartney ends up doing a soundtrack for Live and Let Die. And the funny thing is, is this movie Tomorrow Never Dies, which... I don't like any of the Pierce Bronson stuff. Well, I, I don't hate it. It's just he's my least favorite Bond. Well, George Lazenby would be the least, but I, you know, these movies were bad, and I like Pierce Bronson in everything. I just don't like him as James Bond. But I like Tomorrow Never Dies. That's my favorite of the Pierce Bronson ones. I've seen them all multiple times, and I like it. But Tomorrow Never Dies was named actually after the uh, Beatles song. not really my favorite Beatles song, but it's called Tomorrow Never Knows, and whoever uh, wrote or directed Tomorrow Never Dies said, I got the idea from Tomorrow Never Knows, which is this real crazy Beatles song, and he's like, Tomorrow Never Knows, oh, that'll be good, because they were doing the newspaper, and we'll name it Tomorrow, instead we'll name it, well, we'll name it Tomorrow Never Lies, and then what happened was... They couldn't decide between Tomorrow Never Lies or Tomorrow Never Dies. And so they decided on Tomorrow Never Lies. And then a secretary faxed it over to MGM and said, here's what we're going to call it. Get ready. It's Tomorrow Never Lies. And the secretary wrote it wrong and faxed it over as Tomorrow Never Dies. And then they wrote back, oh, great title, Tomorrow Never Dies. And the guy's like, wait, I specifically told you it's Tomorrow Never Lies. And then, and then the deed was done. All because of a fax, a faulty fax. And then Cheryl Crow, who I love, was able to make this song, which is my favorite song of the Piers Bronson era.
love Cheryl Crow. I just think she's the greatest. I really, really do. So I was like totally okay with this choice and the way she sang it. And I think about, you know, it all the time. I, I, I just, the song is, goes through my head a lot. I just really think she's great and so attractive and cool. And she writes really good songs. And so then <laughs> I saw an article about the song. So, okay. So here's, Here's what the review is, and then I'll tell you who wrote it. Uh, and I was starting to get angry. Um, while Crow's music has the right swank and swing, her brittle voice lacks the operatic quality of the best Bond girls and boys like Shirley Bassey, Tom Jones, or even Melissa Manchester. Right now I'm getting angry. Tomorrow Never Dies should be for her ears only. Manchester has never recorded a song for a James Bond film, so I don't know why he said that. Farber called the choice of Crow the worst hire since AHA fronted one of these themes. Now, he's, that's so fucking cruel. AHA was the worst, but that how is Cheryl Crow up there with that? I thought Crow's beach bum voice and lazy performance was a disgrace to the film. I'm getting so angry, and I'm like, these guys must be homosexuals. Because they're just all about Katie Langs is the best. Katie Langs is the best. And they must be like gay or something. Because I've been no nobody would write Cheryl Crow's the greatest. And to write that about her voice or whatever, I don't know what your goddamn problem is. And then I see the guy is Jim Farber. I don't know if you remember Jim Farber, but Jim Farber is a friend of this podcast. I've had him on the show. He's gonna be on multiple times. He's supposed to be on, but then he ended up getting very, very sick before the virus. And then the virus happened. He was supposed to be on to talk about the um Rock and Roll Hall of Fame stuff that I get so angry about all the time, or the Grammys, and he was supposed to be on last February, and then he got really sick. So he's going to come on again, but and then if he does, I'm going to let him have it. I was furious, and he is a homosexual. I don't think I'm outing him. So that made a lot of sense, but I was furious until I saw it was him, and then I said, well, I don't know, maybe I got to listen to him because we do have a lot of the same views on music. So, I, you know, then I was getting upset and I'm like, what did the Katie Lang? Of course, he's talking about Katie Lang. That makes sense. The gay guy's going to talk about Katie Lang. And then because apparently she wrote one that they didn't use or use at the end, which is also called Tomorrow Never Dies, but they just changed the name to Surrender. And then I heard it and I'm like, you know what? That Farber's okay. say that's pretty goddamn good it's pretty good but it's it's good i see what they're saying 
Except I think they made the right move by going with Cheryl Crow because you got to update it a little. This sounds like every other Bond, you know, thing that was done before. It's really good, but you put in that that, that ridiculous thing that's from the '60s. You know, you're trying to update Bond. You're coming off Goldeneye, which made a fortune, and I would have said this wasn't the way to go either. But it's it's pretty good. I mean, it's absolutely a Bond theme. So I see what they're saying. Meanwhile, oh my God, I don't know whether we played this for you yet or not, but this is Billie Eilish doing the new Bond theme, and it's, oh my God, it's so awful, I just want to kill myself. It's so no fun. Boy, they really took the, this Daniel Craig, he, he needs to go. <laughs> I, I blame him somehow, even though I love him. I love him. <laughs> Billie Eilish. It'll make you slash your wrists. I should have known I'd leave alone Just goes to show why would they choose this? This is going nowhere. The blood you this is going to be the, the it's technically the saddest of all Bond films because it's done in D minor. That does we not make sense. Are you excited for the new Bond movie when I play this? Right? Oh, there's the uh, those those uh, horn, the trumpets with the the, the little stoppers. Because whoever was doing this, was like, oh my god, I got to fix this. It's called No Time to Die, but I want to die right now if I got to listen to the rest of this song. I certainly don't have any ill will towards Billie Eilish, but this song blows. Please, folks, it does, right? She's got to lighten up. Oh my God, I I, I can't, can't take another minute of it. I just, I cannot. I cannot. voice he's crazy he's obviously a homosexual she's sexy sexy and sultry i like the way she sings but it's uh again fascinating the box it 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 it, you know it uh came out in 1997 and it opened the exact same day as titanic and it held its own which is unbelievable it uh Titanic, the day it opened for the weekend, just edged out Tomorrow Never Dies for the number one spot. Isn't that a miracle? Titanic made $28.6 million that weekend, and Tomorrow Never Dies made $25.1. Isn't that funny? When, you know, this movie that would go on to be the top box office of all time, you know, before the Marvel movies. Now I think it's number six. It's number six, I think of all time, and I think it's number six when you add in for inflation, which is even more of a miracle. But Tomorrow Never Dies totally held its own against this mega Titanic, which is quite unbelievable. 
since um, it's technically not a great movie, but it is my favorite of the Timothy Dalton movies. Uh, also, wait, uh, before uh, – yeah, wait, I want to go – but okay. So before we go into – here's another Beatles-Bond connection. This is from A Hard Day's Night. Now just bear with me for a moment because this is just stupid, but I'm going for it anyway. Yep. Morning. They're on a train. All right. Do you mind if we have it open? Yes, I do. Yeah, but there are four of us and we'd like it open. Not if it's all the same to you, that is. It isn't. I travel on this train regularly, twice a week. So I suppose I have some rights. So have we. Then we'll have that thing off as well, thank you. Well, uh, an elementary knowledge of the railway acts would tell you that I'm perfectly within my rights. Yeah, but we want to hear it. There's more of us than you. We're a community and charity votes up the workers and all that stuff. Then I suggest you take that damn thing into the corridor. Not some other part of the train. Where you obviously belong. Give us a kiss. Look, mister, we pay for our seats too, you know. I travel on this train regularly, twice a week. Knock it off, Paul. You can't win with his sword. After all, it's his train, isn't it, mister? And don't take that turn with me, young man. I fought the war for your sword. I bet you saw you won. I shall call the guard. Ah, but what? They don't take kindly to insults, you know. Come on, let's go and have some coffee and leave the kennel to Lassie. So there's that scene, but that guy who was uh, annoyed, but he's sitting there with all four Beatles in a movie, which is probably the coolest thing of all. Uh, five years earlier, he was in uh, my favorite scene from Goldfinger. We here at the Bank of England, Mr. Bond, are the official depository for gold bullion, just as Fort Knox, Kentucky, is for the United States. We know, of course, the amounts we each hold. We know the amounts deposited in other banks. And we can estimate what is being held for industrial purposes. This enables the two governments to establish, respectively, the true value of the dollar and the pound. Consequently, we are vitally concerned with unauthorized leakages. I take it you mean smuggling? Yes. Gold, gentlemen, which can be melted down and recast, is virtually untraceable which makes it, uh, unlike diamonds, ideal for smuggling, attracting the biggest and most ingenious criminals. Thank you, Brunson. Uh, that'll be all. Thank you, sir. Have a little more of this uh, rather disappointing brandy. Well, what's the matter with it? I'd say it was a 30-year-old fiend indifferently blended, sir. With an overdose of bombois. Colonel Smithers is giving the lecture, W07. That's my favorite part. Colonel Smithers is giving the lecture, 007. That's Colonel Smithers is the guy in the train with the Beatles. So how about this guy? I don't know who the hell he is. I don't know his name, and I really don't care. But this guy, not only is he in Goldfinger, and he's sitting there with Sean Connery, and he's in this really cool movie in the you know up until the time, the greatest movie of all time. Then he gets to sit with all four Beatles, filming the scenes with all four Beatles, just on the train, just him and the four Beatles. And the, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a pretty good career with just those two things, and he's probably one of those character actors that was on a ton of other things. I mean, when you have that voice like that, well, John this most disappointing brand here. Well, that'd be awesome. 
mean, and then he does a different a different voice for the uh, Hard Day's Night. This guy was great. He's really good. Smithers. Colonel Smithers is giving the lecture 007. So the other thing I wanted to tell you was in Tomorrow Never Dies, uh, one of the best parts about Tomorrow Never Dies, and again, it's got to be all Pierce Bronson doing. You know, the, the, the guys that play James Bond, like a Pierce Bronson who's been in four, and Daniel Craig who's now been in five, Roger Moore, you know, all those guys, they have a lot of say, or at least they do now. I don't know what it was back then, but they have a lot of say in who's in the movie or who does the song. I mean, I know it was uh, Daniel Craig who told Adele, like, you know, could you do the next Bond theme? <laughs> who's going to complain about that? Um, but, you know, clearly Pierce Bronson wanted this to happen. And we've played this before on the podcast because it's unbelievable. But there's this scene from one of our favorite actors is in Tomorrow Never Dies. And it is very funny. And it shouldn't really be in a Bond movie. A body was discovered along with the body of an unidentified man who appeared to be the victim of a self-inflicted gun wound. Reached the body's private jet en route to the sea. I have a clear shot at your head, Mr. Bond. Stand up, slowly, drop your gun and kick it toward me, yeah? Good. Now, lie down on the bed next to Mrs. Carver. We extend our deepest sympathies to Mr. Carver. This story will be on the news in an hour. Tomorrow's news today. Just so. My name is Dr. Kaufman. I am an outstanding pistol marksman. Take my word for it, yeah? She struggled terribly, Mr. Pond. It's a pity you got her involved in all this. It won't look like a suicide if you shoot me from over there. I am a professor of forensic medicine. Believe me, Mr. Bond, I could shoot you from Stuttgart and still create the proper effect. My art is in great demand, Mr. Bond. I go all over the world. I am especially good at the celebrity overdose. But now I am afraid, Mr. Bond, that our little... Ah, Stamper! Stop yelling in my ear, yeah? Sir, they can't get into the car. Oh, you can't be serious. Did you call the auto club? Do you want to call them? Make him tell you how to open it. Uh, uh, Okay, I ask. It's very embarrassing. It seems there is a red box in your car. They can't get to it. They want me to make you unlock the car. I feel like an idiot. I don't know what to say. I am to torture you if you don't do it. You have a doctorate in that too? (laughs) No, no, no. This is more like a hobby. But I'm very gifted. Oh, I believe you. My cell phone opens the car. No, 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 Mr. Bond. I do it, yeah? Recall three, send. Wait, I'm just a professional doing a job. Me too. Yeah. So you can see that that's just so dear. Because I feel like an idiot. I mean, that's just not usually in Bond movies. But where is that guy from? 
And why would he be used? Well, it's probably because Pierce Bronson's a big fan of this. Good day, everyone. My name is Mr. Vargas. Look, I'm a little slow today. I just switched to Sanka, so have a heart. Remember that from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Same guy. How great is he? And you probably remember him in Ghosts, too. And, of course, this classic scene. <laughs> I just feel like Cisco and Ebert when I say. And you remember this classic scene from Night Shift. Where the fuck is 4K? What? Excuse me, I didn't know you was deaf. 4K! I'm 4K, is that my dinner? You do it at what you want. It's five bucks. I already added in my tip. How thoughtful. I mean, that's just so funny. I mean, the people just love that. Vincent Chevalier, I think is how you pronounce his name, and he was so awesome. He's dead now. But he, I mean, what a character actor, you know, like when you look like that and stuff. And those guys, you know, we, you know, we talk about them all the time. He would definitely win one of the uh, Carney Awards for sure. He was really terrific, huh? Yeah. Yeah, he was all right, you know. Uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, though. Interesting. Comes to number seven in the Bond franchise. Uh, You know, and it's really funny because it's pretty much all the Daniel Craig movies are one through four including Quantum of Solace, as, you know, the Skyfall being the number one highest-grossing Bond movie of all time. Inspector, Quantum of Solace, Casino Royale. Which, oh, right, because there hasn't been the fifth one yet. So all the Daniel Craig, so it doesn't make any sense. And then, of course, then all the Pierce Bronsons die another day. The world is not enough. Tomorrow never dies. Goldeneye. They're, like, pretty much in order. Then Moonraker, Octopussy, and then Thunderball is all the way up there because we know Thunderball in when you add for inflation is the highest grossing bond movie of all time but yeah fascinating uh stuff for uh really nobody except the people that listen to this podcast how are you everybody just two more things before we leave you today doing an extended pod well yeah it's extended because you know we're making the extended ones now that uh you know we have nobody has anything to do even though i mean when are we going to stop those go back to our usual hour 20 which is as long as it is anyway. I don't know if you read about a week ago, they shut down production of the new Scott Bayo Christy Swanson movie. Can you imagine? They shut it down because apparently they weren't following the COVID protocols or child labor laws or something. I mean, and SAG had to be called in and they shut down production. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why exactly. But then I was listening to Christy Swanson, who we all know from the beautiful Christy Swanson from Ferris Bueller's Day Off or uh, Pretty in Pink or Buffy, of course, the Vampire Slayer. And well, that's pretty much it, isn't it? Um, but she was so beautiful. And she's still really pretty. And then I found this. You surprised at all how America is uniting behind President Trump's leadership in this crisis. Honestly, Laura, I'm not surprised at all because America loves him. They really do. And it's, you know, it shows. And, uh, you know, the people that I speak to and the things that that I see that people are saying, I mean, everyone really loves Trump and people who didn't love him before are starting to love him. And it's just it's coming around and and I'm just so grateful. Really yeah. grateful. I'm not surprised at all. 
Yeah. No, you heard it the, the right way. What? What? What's happening? What? Who? What? Why is Buffy the vampire? Sli- what? What? Huh? This. What? This girl used to like sleep with other chicks and everything. It was hot. I know because you know I slept with a girl that slept with her, which is so hot. Um, I mean, she was fun and cool. What? 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 happened what i mean it's just so great that everybody loves trump you know i don't care if you love trump it doesn't bother me but it's kind of weird to just say yeah everybody's on board everybody i mean that's just not being realistic or bright or normal we pretty much know everybody doesn't love trump you can love trump and you know, say, yeah, I think he's doing a great job. I, I think, you know, there's a, you know, there's a real great, you know, whatever. But that, wow, she's all in. That's so hot because she's still really hot. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm totally in on it. Sky, I mean, and, and I cannot wait to see this uh, movie. So anyway, what people are pretty much guessing, since we know Scott Bayo is a huge Trump supporter, is they feel that SAG-AFTRA has actually come after them because they don't care for those kind of views. The name of the film is called Courting Mom and Dad, and it's been issued a do-not-work order from the Actors Union SAG-AFTRA, of which I'm a part of. But they, they say they failed to comply with L.A. County health orders and SAG-AFTRA protocols in connection with COVID-19. I don't know why they're actually filming a movie with COVID-19. I would have shut it down. Too. That, that's what I can't. Why isn't that in the article? Like, why are they even filming a movie now? But so, of course, they're not filming protocols. But, of course, they think that SAG has some, you know, an ulterior motive because they're huge Trump supporters. And in a way, I, it could be a thing. But then you have to ask, who's filming a movie these days? How are they? How are they filming a movie? With, you know, in, I, somebody told me, and I don't think it's a somebody. Jessica Pilot told me yesterday that San Francisco started another stay-at-home order yesterday, but I, I haven't heard any things about that. But yeah, they uh, attacked the credibility of uh, Deadline Magazine, which is a big, you know, um, in-house magazine, and and SAG after saying, of course, it's uh, fake news. But why wouldn't they? They're big Trump supporters. But I don't know. It's like hot, like I I like that she's just obviously crazy, but I'm pretty sure even though she was that hot, if she was spouting those kind of crazy views, I'd probably be turned off. I would have to think, right? Please tell me that's true. I really hope it's true. Here's something else about COVID. Why isn't there more Lysol? Why can't I still buy not buy Lysol. Why didn't Lysol do it like Charmin did and just go crazy and put out more toilet paper? Why didn't Lysol take advantage of this and just go crazy so they could make a lot of money? I still can't get Lysol. It's still not on any shelves or behind the counter. What's up with that? How... Are they not mass-producing Lysol products? And if they're saying, well, our factory shut down or something, I just, well, Charmin's didn't. They just started making a, sh- 
a shitload of toilet paper. Thank you very much, everybody. I'm here all week. How are you? Funny stuff, right? And last but not least, no. Oh, yes. I uh, finally made. Um, uh, so I made chicken salad for the first time the other day so I could have it in the refrigerator. All I've never made it before, right? And I just, you know, took my chances and took a shot at doing it. And it came out pretty good. But it was great because when I went down to the uh, bar, you know, on Wednesday, I was hanging out with my friend Lindsay, who is now an avid listener of the podcast. And I can't tell you how happy it makes me. Not only does she like the podcast, she likes TurboCharge. Well, obviously, anybody that likes the podcast is going to like TurboCharge. Thank God. Why would you listen to the podcast? I mean, you're not going to like TurboCharge if you don't like the podcast. I mean, they're, they're both, you know, if you like the, the podcast and TurboCharge, you're going to like Dave Judd's guy. You're going to like his whatever his humor is. I mean, it is out there, man. It's out there. And I sat down there and I told the, <laughs> I was talking about the chicken salad for like 20 minutes. And she was so polite. She's such a nice person, this Lindsay. So wonderful that she was like listening. I'm like, you know what? I just realized, I'm sorry. You're so polite. I said, you're so polite. You're listening to my chicken salad story for like 20 minutes. She goes, oh no, I, I don't mind. And I said, well, it's actually kind of funny. It would make sense that you actually are being honest that you might have actually been not riveted, but we're listening because you do like the podcast. So it would make sense that somebody wouldn't mind me because that's the bar. Remember that where that guy got angry because I was talking about a sandwich for 20 minutes. <laughs> like, And I'm like, no, no, that is the podcast. You don't understand. We talk about sandwiches a lot. Uh, so it would make sense that somebody that would like the podcast would enjoy my story about making a chicken salad sandwich at my house. Well... <laughs> And thus ends this week's podcast because, oh, uh, well, if you can't end on a chicken salad sandwich note, well, then I don't know how you end the Nightfly podcast. Jazz and conversation with no jazz today, just conversation. Conversation, music, movies, television clips, Good Witch. I can't tell you, I can't tell you, I'm thinking about doing a Good Witch podcast. I heard there is one for season six, but I'm thinking about just doing a Good Witch podcast. I mean, because it's stupid. And I just want to do it. And I want to, I just, it's just stupid. And I, if it's that popular, why not just do one? It's stupid. I keep thinking, I, uh, you know, it's like, I mean, I've been looking into this patron, and I know a lot of you guys have told me you should do it. And I see a lot of people that are doing it that have worse podcasts and don't put any effort into it. And I just hate charging, but. It'd be funny because you get ex- you're supposed to get extra stuff when you're on this patron where people pay three dollars a month or something, and then they're supposed to get extra content if you you know if you're a silver level member you know if you pay twenty bucks a month you get extra content that other people don't get. My extra content would be a podcast of the Good Witch, <laughs> and then people well that's the last payment I think I'll make. I think I'm done with this. Uh, patron uh, i think i'll go back to the old podcast but and yet i still want to do it because that's it's funny until you're actually listening to uh i just really want to do it i don't know why i i I guess i could find a way to make it funny maybe i'll just do the first season just because i'm just I, i think if things were normal i would have somebody watch it and then we would talk about it and then have a different guest every day talking about Good Witch. And then we would discuss it for a half hour. A half hour. You can't go more than that. 
Obviously, I'm thinking about it. That's why I'm like, well, as I said, I've obviously lost my mind. I, the COVID has pushed me over the edge. I've lost it, and there's nothing I can do about it. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, we tried to work it out, and I'm sorry there's nothing we can do about it. That's a line from I Dream a Genie with Sammy Davis. That's how I'm telling you I've lost it. And, of course, another female witch. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Somebody help me. Somebody call the cops to my apartment right now. It's over for me. But you people still have a chance. And we'll all get out of this. Listen, happy July 4th? Is that even a thing this year? But, again, if you are having any kind of July 4th celebration, well, I hope you do have a happy one. And I hope uh, everybody's going to be okay. And I don't know whether the beach is around. I guess I'll tell you how my 4th will be. But I'm pretty sure it's going to be right here in the apartment doing nothing. Because that's pretty much what we're all doing these days. Even though things are opening up, people aren't really going out. Except my sister and her husband. Another night. All right, everybody. I'll see you next week on the podcast. Have a wonderful Independence Day. Remember, this country is still great. No matter who runs it, it's the best place to be. We'll see you next week on the podcast. Everybody, this is Dave Jessica on the Nightfly. Signing off until next time. Good night, everybody. Hey.